Welcome to the Explore the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. This is the Explore the Circular Economy podcast, where we discuss how to move away from a linear take-make-waste economy to one that designs out waste and pollution, keeps products and materials in use, and regenerates natural systems. A circular economy. My name is Laura Franco, and I'm part of the learning team here at the Foundation. In today's episode, our hosts, Emily Healy and Seb Egerton-Reed, dig into the opportunities of financing the circular economy. We are joined by three special guests for this episode. Liesel, who is the Membership and Regional Coordination Manager at the UN Environment Programme Finance Initiative. Tasia, the Managing Director at Closed Loop Partners, an investment firm focused on the circular economy. And Mihil, who leads our finance initiative here at the Foundation. Seb kicked off the conversation by asking Emily why we are talking about finance as part of this show. So what does finance mean for the circular economy? We've got a range of guests with perspectives from different parts of the finance sector um, to share with us later. But first, I'm joined in the co-hosting hot seat today by my colleague, Emily Healy. And Emily, you were part of the team at the foundation who were behind the recently published report by the foundation, Finance in the Circular Economy. So tell us, why are we talking about finance? Thanks, Seb. Um, Well, really, finance relates to everything that we talk about here on the show, whether that is reuse models for plastic packaging, whether it's about redesigning our genes, whether it's about shifting farms to regenerative agriculture, refurbishing electronics, or maybe um, turning buildings into material banks. Um, Finance is a major enabler of this transition to a circular economy. It's a pretty bold opening gambit, Emily. We get you on the show and the first thing you say is that your topic covers everything we talk about on the show. Now, finance is a topic for some of our viewers. They might even, you know, think about it as something slightly boring that's happening in the background or perhaps there's a bit of a black box they don't fully understand. When we say finance, what are we talking about? What are we referring to? So talking about finance here, we're, we're really talking about money flows, like flows of capital, as it might be called. Um, in particular, for this show, I want to talk about flows of, com- um, flows of money to companies from startups, innovative startups, all the way to large corporates that they use to finance their activities. Um, and this could come from the financial services sector. This is banks, investors, insurers, um, or from the public sector, so government and large multinational banks. Um, but we're going to focus on the former um, for this th- next 30 minutes, so thinking about the private financial services sector. Um, looking at where we are now, currently a large proportion of those money flows are going to finance the, the take-make-waste linear economy. But we are seeing some evidence that this is changing. Um, with, with businesses and governments increasingly transitioning to a circular economy, making commitments, and we're seeing indus- industry disruption, a growing number of financial institutions and investors are also starting to identify the circular economy as an opportunity, and as also as a positive framework to address global challenges such as climate change, plastic pollution, and biodiversity loss. And of course, those challenges are some of the things we talk about in this show. We were talking about post-COVID recovery of Yanis Patochin last week. We've talked about the role of circular economy in tackling climate change, the fact that even the transition to renewable energy, which is obviously highly important, covers only 55% of emissions today, and a significant chunk of those other emissions are covered by the way we make and use things and uh, and the way in which we produce and manage the land that we grow our food on. Um, and I guess what you're saying there, Emily, is follow the money and it will tell you something about the economy. By the way, if anyone else has any great money puns, feel free to drop them in the comments in the chat and also drop in your questions and anything like that and we will post those to our guests through the show. So yeah, follow the money, Emily. 
Uh, yep, yeah, so, so the circular economy addresses global challenges like climate change, but it also goes far beyond this as a source of new and better growth, um, generating value along the, the three principles of circular economy that we all know really well, designing out waste and pollution, keeping products and materials in use, and regenerating natural systems. So we're going to explore a bit more about this opportunity over the show. Um, so without much further ado, let me introduce us to our guests that we have today. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Liesl van Ast, uh, Tasia Smith and our very own Hilda Smet. So Liesl is, is the Membership and Regional Coordination Manager at the UN Environment Programme Finance Initiative um, and is responsible for engagement with banks, investors and insurers. Uh, Tasia is a Managing Director at Closed Loop Partners, which is an investment firm focused on the circular economy, where she is responsible for investor relations and capital partnerships. And last but by no means least, Mikhil um, leads our finance initiative here at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. So I'm going to start with you, Liesl. Um, so you, UNEPFI, have recently also published a paper on financing the circular economy. So if I asked you, if an investor or banker wanted to look into circular economic opportunities for their organisation, where, where should they start? Uh, thanks, Emily. I think one of the best places to start is really looking at the sectors that have the opportunities to redesign business models for production and consumption. So uh, they might automatically think waste management, but that's really just uh, a really part of the picture. So they need to really understand the innovation that's got the potential to disrupt, to transform whole sectors across the economy. Um, so in the report that we published, Financing Circularity, it looks at some of the transformations in these sectors. And so it goes from construction, electronics, food and agriculture, manufacturing, textiles, mining. So there's a whole range of opportunities out there just waiting to be untapped. Um, and so to do that, they can really look at how are the circular economy principles are already being applied in these industries and also cross-cutting industries like chemicals, which supplies goods to you know, all other manufacturing industries and it's got a critical role to play in that transformation. Um, and also, of course, uh, exciting digital tech solutions and technology companies that can help to increase the um, transparency in supply chains for, for traceability of, of materials. So there's a lot already happening. They can really learn to understand what, what transitions are already uh, sort of in their nascent phases in these sectors. And, and to understand that, actually, if they look at where the risks are to the linear model that we have right now, that's one of the best ways also to see that those sectors with the most risks also maybe have the potential to have the most pro promising transition opportunities for circular economy. So, um, so they need to look at the research and develop more um, in-depth knowledge of the flow of materials, of the markets that are already developing, of changes in consumer preferences, um, and because all of this can affect profit of, and loss, which of course is, is critical for them. Um, and I mean, other bigger picture things which they need to take a look at or which could be useful for them to look at is the national industrial and resource strategies, environmental regulation, changing fiscal policies, um, which could really affect license to operate and, and profitability. So to understand this, um, you really need to see which companies within these sectors have the best, have a better understanding of this, how materials are circulating, and are better able to control that, have better closer ties to their to the markets for secondary materials, um, and to really understand how companies are reducing resource use, reusing, uh, recycling, recovering, redesign, re manufacturing, um, repairing, and, and refurbishing, and all the different aspects that feed into circular economy, which companies are, are leading the way in, in these transformations. Um, and one way that they can do this is look at um, how 
companies are reducing their manufacturing costs through resource efficient design, how they are really looking at new markets. So looking at how they're turning products and waste streams into their value chain to, to monetize those streams or to avoid those costs. And of course, the design side is also really exciting that they can look at how our, our uh, companies redesigning production and consum consumption to to generate revenues and, and reduce resource use at the same time. And I mean, one of the useful starting points for this could be to look at, for example, categorization systems like the EU's 2020 Circular Economy Action Plan. It, it really sets out what are the categories of activities to look at in these sectors, what kind of criteria are there, and, and, and kind of activities could they be financing in these activities. So this can give them kind of inspiration and guidance so that they can spot those business models that are really cutting edge and, and are going to be leading the way for this, these transformations in the future. Um, so I think if, if they really understand the growth in these, these circular business models that will need, you know, this will take changes in supply chains, in re reverse logistics and changing products to services, um, reimagining re waste streams. So there's a lot of exciting innovation out there that they, they just need to get a better understanding of so they can unlock these opportunities because it'll take really substantial financial resources to drive the transition and, and they're really well placed to, to be part of that. There's a lot in that answer you gave us there, Lisa. I mean, obviously, there's the the world's responses. Emily was talking about in her introduction as well to macro challenges. There's technological opportunities that make this possible. There's a shifting customer landscape. People demanding different responses. And there's when when what you're I guess one of the things I'm drawing out what you're saying is you're looking for that intentionalness in organisations that they understand the circular economy and they're directly trying to apply it. And I guess, Tasia, where that brings you in, I guess, is that you at Closed Loop Partners are an investment firm based in North America designed specifically to focus on the circular economy. I wondered if you could um, jargon bust a couple of terms for us for very quickly first. You're involved in venture capital and private equity. What do those two things mean? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, Closely Partners is both an innovation center and investment firm dedicated to the advancement of the circular economy. And within our asset management business, we have different investment strategies. One of those is our venture capital strategy within which we're making early stage investments into innovative businesses that reflect what Liesl was saying in terms of disrupting supply chains, thinking about new business models that meet the circular economy. And um, so venture capital tends to be, it can often be capital going into a company before a solution is even commercialized, spurring growth, very high growth, disruptive, innovative businesses. Um, uh, what, what we refer to as private equity is traditional buyout, where we actually acquire businesses. That might be a more mature business with cash flow. In our case, we target companies with 5 to $20 million of EBITDA. Very small for the traditional big, big buyout shops. But that's where the market really is in terms of, of uh, the circular economy and, and the ability to scale big platforms that will ultimately be those big industry players that, that will hopefully represent the circular economic model once it's matured. And to bring... Yeah, go ahead. I just going to say, so in the simplest of terms... You look for exciting ideas that you think have got business potential within the sphere of circular economy and you provide them financial support, whether that's it's an idea that you can help them to commercialise or whether it's a business that you can help to grow or support in their growth. We're, and to be quite clear, supplying capital, I, I would... I would delete that and say investing. We're investing to make returns, market rate returns for our investors. And 
in addition to diverting, say, just our portfolio over, uh, since 2019, our 46 companies have diverted 1.3 million tons from landfill. We've avoided the 3 million tons of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and we've delivered market rate returns to our investors. So understanding that this is about making money and increasing profitability in addition to driving the so net positive social environmental outcomes that we're all looking to achieve through a circular economic model. So I, I want, we've heard a little bit about that really early stage of the investment process, thinking about the, um, venture capital and, and growth stage companies, and we'll come back to that a bit. So, but I want to um, move to you, Michiel, so if we look across the financial sector more broadly, um, all the way through all sizes of company and, and different stages of financing and different types of, um, of financing, investment, banking and insurance. Um, what are we seeing happening at the moment across the sector? Thank you, Emily. Well, I think, first of all, great to see the perspectives of Liesl and Teja. It's really highlighting the, the broad scope of the opportunity, how the circular economy can, on the one hand, help address global challenges, but at the same time really is an economic opportunity, as Teja was explaining. So if we now look at the financial sector, it's very encouraging to see steep growth in uh, circular economy financing and investing really over the past 18, 24 months. Let me give you a few examples. First of all, there's public equity. So that's shares of large listed companies. So back in 2017, there was no public equity fund that was partially or solely dedicated to the circular economy. However, by mid-2020, so just a few months ago, at least 10 public equity funds dedicated to circular economy had been launched by the world's leading providers, including BlackRock, Credit Suisse, and Morgan Stanley. And the capital, the assets that uh, is managed through those funds uh, increased over sixfold in the past few months since the start of 2020. So that's one corner of the financial sector where we see steep growth. And Emily, you were going to ask just something. Gonna, I was just going to jump in there and, and just for the audience, um, for the audience benefit, explain a little bit about the fact that public equity funds, this is talking about um, funds of money which are investing specifically in large companies that are listed on stock exchanges. Not just for the Indeed, correct. benefit, Emily, also for mine. Also for Seb's benefit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, so please, uh, please interrupt uh, if, if, if there's too many finance uh, jargon in there. So that's one corner of the financial sector. Another one is the debt side, so not the, the uh, publicly uh, listed companies, the shares that one can buy, but rather the debt side of it that's also uh, traded publicly. From that corner, what we're seeing is that in the past 18 months, mm. more than 10 corporate bonds in order to finance circular economy activity have been issued by global companies. So large companies such as Google, BASF, PepsiCo, Philips went out to the capital markets and issued such a bond. And that involved leading investment banks, names that you might have heard of, such as Barclays, HSBC, Morgan Stanley, and many more. So that's yet another corner. But going beyond those capital markets, as they call it, equity or debt capital markets, if we now look at venture capital, private equity, Teju was talking about, um, private debt funds, we see a similar pattern of steep growth, but also in bank lending, project finance, insurance. And to give you two examples, Intesa San Paolo, which is a leading Italian bank, has uh, launched a 5 billion euro credit facility to support circular companies. So circular companies can actually go out to Intesa San Paolo, and if they comply with the eligibility criteria, they can access, get, get access to, to those loans. And in addition, the European Investment Bank has launched an equity and debt initiative 
which is worth 10 uh, billion euros dedicated to the circular economy. So I think in summary, wherever we look in across the financial sector, we see those bright spots, we see the steep growth in activity, and that's very encouraging. So we've got the picture here now. This is a big opportunity, regardless of what kind of investment, what kind of finance we're talking about. And there's obviously um, a fair amount in there. I wonder, Teja, whether you can bring it to life for us a little bit here. What does finance in the circle me actually look like in practice? Can you give us an example, perhaps, of an organisation or business you've invested in? Yes, absolutely. Hearing, hearing all of those dollars that Mikhail was talking about is exciting. But what does that mean? Where are the innovative companies that are actually coming up with new business models? Um, thinking about things and to dovetail off of what Liesl said in terms of sectors, at, at closely we look at plastics and packaging, food and ag tech, fashion and apparel, and then what we call supply chain logistics technologies. And then all of those are around everything from design, that early innovative stage of, of, of material mitigation, how we consume and, and different modes of, of, of consumption that eliminate um, waste and materials, collection and keeping those materials in play, and then remanufacturing or reprocessing. So to bring those to life, um, some cool companies that we're pretty excited about, things like El Gramo. El Gramo is a Chilean-based company that actually is a refill model. So an RFID chip-enabled refill uh, to go to a vending machine where you might get your favorite Unilever soap or shampoo, seventh generation soap or shampoo or other material, instead of, and particularly emerging markets, this is a very big deal, the small format little sachets that are not recyclable or and also cost 40% more due to the excess packaging. So simply by using that, that reusable um, container, which inherently both rewards a um, best practice in environmental behavior because you're reusing this package, you end up reducing 40% of packaging that ends up in waterways or landfill. And then in addition, you end up saving disadvantaged, socioeconomically disadvantaged communities money. For the benefit of the maker of that shampoo, though, they get a lot more customer data because now they know who is actually consuming their product and how much. So with this one innovative business model, you're eliminating waste at the source through design. You're widening margins or improving customer data for the big, large company that's producing the product. You're saving money in terms of uh, the end buyer and particularly important when it's when it's somebody who may not have a lot of money in their pocket to begin with. So Algramo is a company that we're really excited about. We're scaling it into the US and in addition to the emerging markets where it's, it's being deployed. Um, and I think it's a great example of a company that in, that incorporates tech, it, it incorporates the stakeholders and, and identifies and benefits from those tailwinds that we see driving the circular economy through North America, be that innovation, be that policy, be that investment, and be that partnership. And um, well, I love the example of Algramo, um, and and it's, it's really exciting what they're doing. Um, but also would like to understand what's kind of in it for, from you for close loop partners that you're doing it just out of the goodness of your heart or, you know, what, <laughs> why is it, a, why is it a good question. business for you? Great question. So our venture fund, uh, venture fund one invested in Algramo and we were 
uh, among the earliest capital into the company. And we've grown with the company. The company's currently priced in a Series A. And so hopefully that continues to mark up and we grow and scale a very large business and deliver deliver our target returns to our investors. We are a market rate venture capital uh, fund and our first fund is tracking currently at the top quartile of, of uh, venture funds in, in its vintage. And, and we'd like to see many more examples of that. So I want to turn to you, Liesl, again to say, you know, how, how can many more investors, bankers, insurers participate in scaling the, uh, the circular economy and seizing these types of opportunities? I think one of the things they can start with is just to actually look at their portfolios now, look at the companies that they're already financing, uh, insuring, investing in to see what are the actual circular economy business models already there within their portfolio. So, so that's a good starting point to learn about their clients or investees. And then you can draw out some of these examples and raise awareness across your client base, across the, the, the peers in their sectors, across employees, so they understand and can spot the opportunities better um, and, and, and basically raise awareness in the in financial market. Um, of course, that would be a starting point because we want we want really is to scale up the financing for these opportunities, so they can really start steering more of their finance towards the companies that are um, in the lead. Um, I think you know that we talked about some sustainable technologies and, and business models, and what they need to do is um, earmark some of their funds exclusively for those companies, as well as transitioning some of the more mainstream companies to to move in the direction of circular economy. So, um, so for example, a lot, a lot of financial institutions have signed up to principles for responsible banking, responsible investment and sustainable insurance. So you can look at how can they actually apply those principles in the context of driving the shift towards a circular economy um, and, and looking really working as together to look at how to systematically integrate circular economy concepts um, into financial products and services to make, to drive that change. Um, I think so that's across banking, insurance and investment, but banks specifically can um, look at how they can integrate the circular economy concepts in their risks policies. Um, so really to recognize risks of linear of companies that are not transitioning to circular economy, as well as um, doing product development and client engagement to, to drive those opportunities. I think, um, you know, they can set targets on resource efficiencies, change their, adjust their strategies to really um, integrate this into decision making at all levels um, and also I think technically there's still some challenges around this financing so help contribute to help developing the metrics and standards and, and approaches to, to really drive this across their financial products and services you know, from, from green bonds to, to transition finance that help, help make the, the shift from current models to, to where we need to get to. I think for, for insurers, um, I mean, also similarly, they can really include circular economy uh, concepts into their investment and insurance strategies and policies. So for example, they can adjust the, the way that they underwriting and their claims management so that it's more accessible to some of the more innovative sharing economy business models. Um, they can also factor the liabilities of pollution and waste more into their, their current insurance premiums so they drive change um, within within mainstream sectors and and they can also share insights into how they are developing innovative products and services to to you know, for, fit for circular economy business models. And for investors, you know, integrating circular economy into environmental, social and governance criteria that they already are adopting is, is really um, 
you know, good entry point. And, and to do that, they can look at some of the sustainable development goal targets, which, which provide quite concrete sort of metrics and, and ways to kind of pinpoint those opportunities and integrate it into the, the financing. Um, I think you know, also collaborating with each other to, to engage companies on issues like toxic chemicals and materials use of plastics, resource efficiency, packaging, waste management. So that can be a, quite a powerful way of, of helping companies to understand the, the kind of drivers for, for change. Um, and I mean, they can also look, you know, prepare themselves for some of the emerging uh, global initiatives, such as the, there's an international platform on sustainable finance, which is um, really working on, on classific classification system for investment in resource con resource conservation and recycling. So they can really start looking at what are the emerging approaches they can start adopting and be ready for the change that's that's. Um, coming so, down the line. It sounds like, um, Liesl, that one of your recommendations to the finance se sector is to get educated on the topic. I mean, in, in order to do a lot of the things you're saying, a fundamental yeah. part of that is understand it and understand the opportunity. For sure, because there's a lot going on already. So um, to really get on top of all of that is, is a really good way for them to then be able to uh, identify the opportunities that they can access. Which I guess is the advantage, say, closed loop partners have in the sense they've been set up very explicitly around this. Mikhail, there's a great question that's come in online that speaks a little bit to this kind of understanding some of the nuances of this um, from Carlo. They ask, how does CE financing separate itself from ESG related funds? What, what's the, what are the links or differences between those sorts of projects? Yeah, that's indeed a great question. And thanks for that one. Um, the way we look at it is that the circle economy on the one hand will help address climate change and other global challenges. So it will help deliver on ESG goals. So ESG means environmental social governance. It's, it's a way of looking at, um, at, at certain challenges and issues and how to minimize risk that, that are linked to, linked to, um, to those issues. So it will help deliver on those goals. But at the same time, the circle economy really is about transforming industries there's a very strong opportunity angle there's a very strong economic rationale we see for example the plastics packaging value chain shifting and as it is shifting it is creating economic opportunities and then that appeals again to the investor side Tasia was talking about before so it it provides new and better growth opportunities and in that sense the circle economy of or thinking about the circle economy as system change goes beyond uh, ESG and addressing uh, some of the ESG issues so we've heard about the scale of the opportunity. We've had some examples of the possibilities of it. What, where's this story going? What's next, Mikhail? Well, obviously, the, the recent growth in, in financing and in investing activity dedicated to circle economy is very encouraging, but we will need more capital and more activity to scale the circle economy. Uh, this means, among other, well, amongst many things, for example, what Tejia was describing in terms of direct investing, and we want to see more of this. But it also links to what Lisa was talking about, more of a systemic uh, point of view. How can we get the, the right framework, the right fundamentals in place? So on the financial sector side, very much uh, agree with uh, what Lisa was explaining. It is about scaling existing products. It is about integrating circle economy in your strategies and targets. There's an element of financial innovation. Think about transition bonds, circularity linked loans, uh, new bank lending models to, to finance harder to finance business models, those new circular innovative business models. 
So that's the financial sector. But in order to build on the current momentum and really scale the circular economy, we'll also need public sector uh, action. And, and here, from a finance point of view, governance can uh, provide favorable frameworks, can provide the right incentives, can create transparency. And the European Union taxonomy work is, is a good example here. They can uh, invest directly into long-term innovation, into infrastructure. And, and then I think all of this, so you've got the, the private sector uh, actions, you've got the, the public sector actions, and then all of this is underpinned by better data. Uh, and, and here we're talking about scaling uh, tools to, to measure circularity performance and, and the foundation circulitics tool is, is a great example here. But we'd all, we're also talking about accounting rules and, and frameworks, thinking about those negative externalities and how they're accounted for and not accounted for, understanding linear risks. So that fits in nicely with what Liesl was explaining. So from a foundation point of view, I think in summary, we're very excited to see what's, what's going on. We're obviously committed to, to further help drive these uh, financing activities by working directly with the private sector, for example, with our strategic partners, BlackRock and Intesa San Paolo, but also working with public sector. We're a member of the uh, EU platform that is developing the, the EU taxonomy. And then secondly, more broadly, it comes down to other programs within the foundation. We, we truly want to show uh, the circle economy opportunity. So it is about working in plastics. It is work, about working in fashion, working in food and showing how that opportunity gets materialized in the real economy and how that value gets created. And then and as a result, how there's a strong economic rationale for the financial sector to be involved and, uh, and seize that opportunity. In this episode, we have discussed the opportunity for finance in the transition towards a circular economy. We have also explored examples of how it is already happening and how it is growing rapidly. We need the financial services sector to build on this momentum and take action to understand the opportunity and embed the circular economy in their strategy, targets and decision making. That is all of this episode of the Circular Economy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, share and comment wherever you are listening to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Explore the Circular Economy podcast. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe.